Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. Will Peterson, Rachel V. Hill hanging out with you as the Nuggets announce a trade. Well, I guess Woj announced the trade this morning that the Nuggets are trading away two starters to get CP, C, KCP. KCP. I have to get that right before he obviously starts. And then also Ish Smith from the Washington Wizards. It's a mouthful right there, Will, but thoughts we like, don't like. How are we feeling about this trade? Yeah, so KCP is Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, who uh, has been in the league for a little while, stint with the Lakers, and, and now the Wizards. Wing defender, can shoot the three, sort of a missing piece that the Nuggets have needed. Uh, Ish Smith is going on something like his 13th team, so uh, I would think that the Nuggets may buy out Ish Smith Not sure if there's a role for him on this team. But, Rachel, all that aside, we can talk, too, about who the Nuggets gave up because they gave up 40% of their starting roster from a season ago in Monte Morris and Will Barton. Now, were either Morris or Barton part of the Nuggets' plans moving forward? I don't think Will Barton was. I think that had run its course uh, here in Denver. Listen, Will Barton was 1-9 in his last 10 postseason games. He tried to fight DeMarcus Cousins in Golden State and kept trying to fight him. And, oh, by the way, the Nuggets' most successful run of the Nikola Jokic era was without Will Barton in the bubble when they made the Western Conference Finals and ultimately lost to the Lakers. But Will never even entered the Orlando bubble. I'm not sad to see Will Barton go. I have not liked Will Barton for years. I thought he's been a defensive liability. I thought his effort has been questionable at times. And I thought Michael Malone refused to put him on the bench when if any other guy on the team did some of the things Will did, they would have gotten benched. So uh, I am I am glad that Will Barton is no longer on the Nuggets. Now, I'll put the caveat, it's not personal. I don't have beef with Will Barton, but I'm just glad he's no longer on my favorite basketball team. Like People can't distinguish that I don't want to be best friends with the guy, but I can also say, hey, good luck in your next in Denver. I didn't think you were a fit for this team. Now, all that said... The loss of Monte Morris stinks. Monte Morris had the signature moment of the Nuggets season maybe last year. If we're just talking one single moment, it's the shot we all remember in Golden State at the end of the regular season where Jokic kicks it out and he gets the shot off with about 0.2 seconds left to hit the three-pointer and the Nuggets steal a game from the Warriors. So general reaction to this trade, and I want to hear yours too, but bummed to lose Monte, excited to get KCP, Will Barton, good luck, man. And Ish Smith, I'm not sure he's part of the Nuggets' plans moving forward. So if we really look at it, it's kind of Monte Morris for KCP in my eyes in terms of the big impact guys because, again, I thought Barton was a net negative for the Nuggets. Um, but it also means that Bones Highland is ready for the backup point guard role, and today is a massive endorsement from Calvin Booth and Michael Malone and probably even Josh Kroenke who had to sign off on something like this that Bones played backup point guard last year, and he's ready to do it again and have that role expanded. And all of this, the best news, Monte, or not Monte Morris, Jamal Murray is going to play. He's going to be ready to go. And Murray's your starter at point guard. Bones is your backup. And there probably wasn't a role for Monte anymore. So I think I gave you about a four-minute answer on my reaction to those trades. So I want to hear yours, obviously, and then – you know, any follow-up questions? Because it's a, it's a huge deal when you trade two starters on a Wednesday morning. 
No, it's funny. I'm actually I'm putting together the show this morning and I'm like, all right, we can obviously continue the Avs talk. Like we're really excited about the celebration and everything like that, talking social posts. And then all of a sudden this gets dropped and I'm like, well, my entire show is changing now because obviously this is a massive deal for the Nuggets. Um, I... I don't know exactly how I feel about this trade. One, because I'm bummed about Monte Morris. I was there the day that he got drafted. I was an intern at Nine News. So there's like some personal where I'm like, oh, like that was the start of my career kind of. And now here we are. But I understand the trade. But I do think that Will Barton and Ish Smith, they were just thrown in because you need to get them off the roster, right? We're kind of just like, okay, whatever. We just, we need to get them done, moved around a little bit. It is Monte Morris for KCP. I really want to call him CP3, but I know I need to figure this one out because it's definitely not Chris Paul. But, okay, KCP, he's a plus defender. Much better than Will Barton is going to be. Bones Highland. Can he be better with Jamal on the team compared to Monte Morris? Yes. Is it a bit of a risk factor considering that it's only going to be a second year with this team? Yes. But do I think that overall he can fill that role like Monte can? Absolutely. So I'm giving this a B. I know you said you were going to give it a B plus, but it still makes me a little nervous, right? They had a lot of missing pieces last year and you saw a lot of players step up when they had to. So can those players now that are being traded, I know Will Barton, we're kicking them out of the conversation. So can Monte Morris, he'll move on, but can bone really, Bones really fill that void now? Yeah. And, and I, answer too. No, it was good. It was good. I gave it a B plus because if it had just been Barton for KCP, I would have given it an A. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I would have just said, you know, they got rid of the Barton's contract. They added KCPs, which is about $2 million less, and they had a massive upgrade. If it was just Barton for KCP, A, A+. Plus. But yeah. because you lose Monte, that's why I went down to B+, plus for the reasons I outlined before. And the one thing I'll say about Bones, you make a good point of like, Hey, Bones, you're now backing up Jamal Murray. Like, this is a step up. But Bones' role last year, backup point guard. This year, backup point guard. So he is actually having the same role. It's just a difference between he was backing up Monte and now he's backing up Jamal. So I think where the pressure is on Bones, Rachel, is the fact that they basically just today decided that we're picking Bones Highland over Monte Morris. Monte's more established in this league. He's made bigger plays in this league. He's a better defender in my eyes. And you could make a strong case that Monte Morris is a backup point guard on a championship team. Was he ready to be a starter last year? Probably not, but he got thrust into that role. He had no choice that Jamal Murray tore his ACL. Now, again, to get KCP, you had to throw in Monte, which every report out there is saying it was very tough for the Nuggets to make the decision to throw in Monte Morris. Washington was not going to do this trade without Monte Morris headed out east to D.C. So, so much to dissect here. But I, I, I think the, the, the overall takeaways are goodbye, Will Barton. We'll really miss you, Monte Morris. Time to step up, Bones Highland. And KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, the Nuggets have wanted you for quite some time. They think you're a missing piece to a potential championship team. So it, it, it is there pressure on him a little bit because the Nuggets today just shook up their roster in a big way because they wanted to add this guy so desperately. So there, there's four layers to this trade to dissect. And we're not even talking about the fact that, oh, by the way, Nikola Jokic, the two-time MVP, Michael Porter Jr., the oft injured but should be back, should, you know, fingers crossed. And then, of course, Jamal Murray, that all indications are he will be back because 
you're not trading Monte Morris unless you're 100% confident that Jamal Murray is healthy and ready to go. So <laughs> this trade, two for two, two of the guys we're not even that concerned about, but the layers of it and how much impact this has on the Nuggets, this is their most significant trade in quite some time. No, absolutely. And I think also, though, what worries me is we saw Bones Highland be really young last year, too. There were times that he got really hot and he was phenomenal and everybody was screaming busy Bones. But there were also times that we saw him make a lot of stupid decisions on the basketball court. So that's where I'm like, all right, is Jamal going to be the guy that really he's obviously going to lead when he gets back out there? But is he going to guide Bones Highland in the direction? Whereas if Monte Morris was still with this team, he probably has a little bit more of that maturity out on the court to maybe not make just random, you know, threes to try and get the um, crowd to scream or anything like that. Just a little bit smarter basketball IQ, not taking anything away from Bones because he's obviously a phenomenal basketball player. But it's just that maturity that comes with being in the league. Yeah, he could get away with some of that last year because – they didn't really have any other options, and they were a team. Let's be honest, Rachel. That bench was desperate for scoring. They 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 struggled to score as a unit. So if Bones wanted to come in and, and jack up a shot from twenty eight feet, Michael Malone like really couldn't say no because he's like, well, what am I going to do? Rely on Austin Rivers to score? Like that's not going to happen. Rely on J. Michael Green to score? That's not going to happen. So Bones had a really long leash, which, you know, we're using our dog puns analogies. Bones, get it, get it. Uh, (laughs) You know, he he did have a a more of a green light than most rookies do from Michael Malone. Usually Michael Malone is very limited with his rookies playing time and doesn't trust him. But Michael Malone was a man so desperate for bench scoring that he trusted Bones a lot. Now Bones is the backup point guard this year, but will he have to play more of a true point guard distributor role because is Michael Malone going to put up with Bones, you know, pulling up from inside half court? Well, if he's making them, sure. If he's missing, then no, because that's that's a team that, you know, they're now thinking championship or bust, not, hey, let's avoid the play-in and get the sixth seed, which they did uh, uh, last year. So, yeah, I mean, so much to, to talk about with this trade. And uh, I, I know our producer, Jake Shapiro, is going to have some analysis coming at DenverFan.com. And I'm just excited to see everyone's thoughts on it because there is a lot of strong opinions out there. And uh, it's one of those things that this is not J. Michael Green for a first round pick where it's just a blip on everyone's radar. This is uh, two Nuggets who have been here for quite some time. And Will Barton, I believe the longest tenured, Nikola Jokic is now the longest tenured. So Calvin Booth, if he made this trade, his first massive move, I've got a hunch that Michael Malone had a big hand in this trade. And like I said earlier, I've got a hunch that the Cronkies had to sign off on this trade as well. So this one went all the way to the top of the Nuggets. And um, like I said, one of their biggest moves in quite some time. And we would love to know what all of you would grade this trade. So please drop it in the comments. We would love to see. We'll throw some of them up here on the screen with us. But I've got a two-part question now for you, Will. First of all, does this trade make you believe that the Cronkies and the Nuggets are all in on championship or bust? And then two, it's actual Joshua who asked, who won this trade overall? So it's interesting because the Nuggets actually did shed some salary here. So I've seen some, oh, they're just shedding salary. They're trying to get under the luxury tax. And I thought Matt Moore, our Nuggets insider for 104.3, the fan said it well. He said, yes, the J. Michael Green trade was absolutely a salary dump. Like I'm not going to sit here and argue with anyone, but this trade was actually about getting better. They liked Kentavious Caldwell Pope, KCP that much that they were willing, again, as we've been talking about for 12 minutes, to move on from Monte Morris, 
which had to be a really tough decision for the Nuggets. In terms of who won the trade, I think Denver did, just because I don't think Washington is, is close to competing in the East. So while Monte Morris will be a nice piece for them, could even start um, for the Wizards at point guard, that's a team that's going to be scratching and clawing to get into the playoffs in the East, whereas the Nuggets, KCP is the defensive piece they've been missing. Is he the guy who can now shut down some of the top-tier players in the playoffs? Is he the guy who you put on Steph Curry or, or you put on Luka Doncic? Yeah, he's taller, but he's also longer. And what can length do? It can bother those shooters. So I think the Nuggets won the trade. Um, that's why I gave it a B plus. If I thought they lost the trade, would have given it a C minus, D plus, something like that. I think any over a C means they did win it ultimately. So, yeah, some good questions there. And uh, I, I just think that the Nuggets are in win now mode, but there's still more to do. So I'm hoping this is just step one of what is ultimately a busy 48, 72, 96 hours for the Nuggets as free agency starts uh, here in just a day or two. It's getting really exciting. Things are starting to fire up. Stay tuned to DenverFan.com. We'll keep you updated on everything that you need to know over there. But let's go into KCP again. I'm going to nail this by the end of the show, 100%. What really does he bring now to this Nuggets team? Well, it's just the the length and defense that they have been missing. Like the the, mm-hmm. the stretch wing that they've needed who, who can play defense but also make three-pointers and not be an offensive liability is so crucial to this team. Like, you know, it was, it was there times people thought Jeff Green could be that answer. Sure. Was there times people thought Jay Michael Green could be that answer. Sure. Even Michael Porter Jr. He has the offensive skills, but tell me the last time you saw Michael Porter Jr. play defense. I haven't seen that in quite some time. So it was very clear that they needed this upgrade defensively. It's going to be the summer of defense. You look at their first pick, Christian Brown, he's a tenacious defender. Is he going to have some growing pains? Of course he is, because he's playing college ball, and he's a pick in the 20s, just like Bones Highland was. I'm not saying he's going to be the answer coming in, but there's clearly a mold of player that this new regime led by Calvin Booth is targeting. Different conversation for a different day, but is Calvin Booth really making the calls? Is Michael Malone making the calls? Is Josh Kroenke after his fiery championship or bust? press conference saying that the the Nuggets are, are now his show. All that remains to be seen. But as you, you see the graphic there on Calvin Booth, you know, I don't think we should discount the fact that Booth's been here for a couple years and has, has been involved in all this and that. But I also think we need to make it clear that I think Tim Connolly pretty much had permission to do whatever he wanted. I think this is a little more of a group think now with Booth leading the way, but a lot of voices dictating trades like the one we saw this morning. It has to be hard. Honestly, I kind of almost feel for Calvin Booth because it can't be easy when Stan and Josh Kroenke are sitting in the room being like, all right, this is what we're doing. How can you argue with that, right? He's Yeah, those are both his bosses, yeah. and he's the brand-new employee. So, mm-hmm. you know, you don't come in guns guns ablaze into a new title and a new role. And, again, I understand Calvin's been there, but Calvin has not been there as the guy. Calvin's been yeah. there as a, you know, another process of this decision-making. So, Listen, he didn't get the upgrade, upgraded title that, you know, the Nuggets tweeted out at Josh Kroenke's presser and then deleted the tweet. Um, his contract situation remains unclear. So, yeah, I, I think it's probably a little tough for Calvin. But that said, I don't want to sell Calvin short. It's not like Calvin woke up this morning and got a call and, and Josh Kroenke told him, hey, dude, I've made a trade. 
No, Calvin was very much involved in this. He, he was probably the one driving the conversations in Washington. He was probably the one putting all the pieces together. And then, oh, yeah, he probably had to say, Josh Kroenke, hey, will you sign off on this? So let, let's not sell Calvin short. He probably did 98% of the work on this. But like anyone in the corporate America world, sometimes you got to go to your bosses on big decisions and make sure they're cool with it, too. Now, people are asking a lot on Twitter, what does this mean for Boogie Cousins? It's a great question because I still think they need a true backup center. And I think Boogie can still fill that role for the Nuggets. Um, the, the kid they took from France in the draft is going to be a draft and stash guy. So there was some initial thought of, oh, well, he could back up Jokic. Well, guess what? He's playing overseas next year. He's not going to play for the Nuggets. So at least for one more year, they still need a backup center. And I think that could be Boogie. Now, is the Boogie domino going to fall tomorrow? No. Is it going to fall three days from now? No. Maybe come a week or two, mid-July, we'll learn the fate of Boogie. Yes, he's not a top-tier priority for a lot of teams. But in my opinion, what he did in the playoffs, absolutely worthy of bringing him back. I thought he gave you some good hard minutes. I thought he fired the crowd up. Did he do some dumb Boogie stuff? Of course. Mm -hmm. But you know what? You you know what you're getting with Boogie, that's for sure. And you're getting a lot of energy and tenacity that the Nuggets are missing. And I think as a backup to Nicole Jokic, 10, 15 minutes a game, I would hope they'd bring Boogie Cousins back. Oh, I'm with you. I hope they do too. I think he provides a little bit of firepower that this team needs, especially at center. Because Jokic isn't – we saw a little bit more of it, I feel like, towards the end of the season. But he's not typically the get-in-somebody's-face type of guy. But I think you need somebody like that on your team. You need somebody who's going to be that, quote-unquote, protector, who's going to be like, don't mess with anybody on my team. And I think Boogie Cousins can be that. But we got another question from Joshua. He says, do you guys see the Nuggets making any other big moves, big-name players this offseason, Well. Well, I know Jake Shapiro just published something on DenverFan.com about Victor Oladipo, who is a name that, uh, you know, Nuggets fans will recognize or really NBA fans will recognize. He's a two-time All-Star. His best years were in Indiana with the Pacers, but he was in Miami uh, most recently with the Heat. And and a guy like Oladipo, yeah, to answer Joshua's question, that would be a big name. A two-time All-Star, the Nuggets don't often add – two-time All-Stars who probably still have a lot left in their tank. So, yeah, we'll have to see how the framework of something like that would come together. But I think, Rachel, when Josh Kroenke says championship or bust, he knows he has to back that up. So I think there was some temptation, oh, we'll just run it back with Murray and MPJ now that they're healthy. Well, that's a great start. Everyone's excited to see Murray, MPJ, and Jokic. Like, I can't wait to see those three. But you also have to upgrade the pieces around them. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, a big upgrade, and Victor Oladipo would be a big upgrade. Couple that, you know, with Bones coming off the bench, maybe bring back Boogie, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I think Christian Brown is going to get rotation minutes as maybe the eighth, nine man on this team, the rookie out of Kansas. I just rattled off a core that sounds pretty good to me, so I don't think they're done, but I, I do think today was their quote-unquote biggest move, even though adding Oladipo may, may be on the same level or even a little bigger. The reason I say it's their biggest is because of who they had to give up. Again, two of their five starters from a season ago. Mm-hmm. And, well, Josh Kroenke and Sam Kroenke, they both got a taste of another championship with the Colorado Avalanche on Sunday as they won the Stanley Cup. We're still not over the hype of all of it. We're super excited for the parade tomorrow. Let us know in the comments if you're going to be out there. But 
there's been a lot of celebrations going on and it's been a lot of fun, including Landis Gaga with his child. Uh, she's drinking out of the Stanley Cup and it is literally as big as she. <laughs> She looks so stinking cute. Uh, you, you just can't. It's literally as big as she is. I absolutely love to see it. She's so, yeah. so stinking cute. <laughs> Most adorable video uh, we've seen from the cup celebration so far, no doubt. And Rachel, I just hope, and I'm sure they did, but how many times was that puppy cleaned before you let a two-year-old drink out of it? Uh, not only for the germs aspect of it, but just the... There was a lot of alcohol in that cup. So, oh, yeah. uh, it, you know, I, I'm sure, listen, I'm sure it was fine. It was sanitary. Gabe's responsible. His wife's responsible. Yeah. All of that, obviously. But it's just like, yeah, that cup's been on a, a lot of different people's mouths uh, the last uh, 48 hours or so. So very cute. But let's take some uh, some Clorox wipes to to that bat boy and get it get it nice and clean before we put the juice box in there. And Devontae's posted a picture of two of his daughter um, next to the cup. Super, super cute. But going back to Gabe, he's going to be at Raising Cane's on Alameda later from 1 to 2. He's going to be doing the drive through So if you're feeling like getting some chicken and you want to see a Stanley Cup champion, go see Gabe hanging out there. But, Will, I, can't, I feel like I haven't really talked to you because you were at a wedding on Sunday, which I hope was an absolute blast. We saw all the video footage you posted. But now that you've had a lot of time to digest this win, what does it mean for the city of Denver? Yeah, well, I did show up to trivia yesterday. I took the championship. True. Well, let's, let's keep that in mind. True. Um, but no, you're right. We haven't we haven't really gotten into the nitty gritty of the abs. You guys were nice to have me on to that post game show. Um, but obviously, Rachel, it's it's super memorable. It's the mm-hmm. it's the third title for the abs. The Broncos have three, so we're now looking at six in the last 26 years for the city of Denver. Yeah. Listen, six in 26 years is pretty good. But we also have to remember four of those came before 2001 or, or in 2001. So we've had two in the last 21 years, the the 2015 Broncos with Von Miller and Peyton Manning, and now the 21-22 Avs. So it had been a long time coming for Colorado. This is a really proud hockey town. They had had some good playoff runs, but not great playoff runs, Rachel. They hadn't even made the Western Conference Finals since 2001, the year they won it all. Um, even, you know, more recently, the round two boogeyman, as you so aptly named it, had been such a problem, but they had flamed out in round two in like 2008 too. Like that one, two seasons that they were good, sort of in some rebuilding years, they could never put it together in the postseason. So for this team, uh, to reach the mountaintop when there was a tremendous amount of pressure, I mean, think about who there was pressure on. There was pressure on Jared Bednar because some people thought he was coaching for his job. He's now got a job for, you know, four, five, six years at a minimum. There was pressure on Nathan McKinnon, Mr. I haven't won bleep at his press conference, and I feel like all we do is talk about next year. There was pressure on Gabe Landeskog, who took over this captainship at age 19, was in something like his ninth year as captain, and everyone loves Gabe, and he's a great leader, but also that's a long time to be a captain and not have your team get out of the second round. Was there there some, you know, internal chatter about – do we need to make Nathan the captain? Do we need to try something different? So those three alone were, were, had the weight of the world on them. Uh, there was pressure on Joe Sackett because he's the one who assembled this roster. And, yeah, he gave them great ingredients, but he made four trade deadline moves, and all four of them worked out. So he knew deep in his heart in February that he had to upgrade some positions to make sure they finally got it done. So for all those guys to just be able to exhale and feel like, 
I'm a Stanley Cup champion. I will be a champion the rest of my life. Such a tremendous honor and well-deserved, and I'm really happy for the Avs. Um, gotten to know them over the years. It's all great guys. I only had one negative uh, interaction with a guy on that team over like five years. I won't even use his name, but guess what? That jerk ain't even on the team anymore, so he doesn't get the Stanley Cup. So uh, all good, all good there. Every single guy who won that cup who I've ever talked to has been cool. Um, I don't, I don't know a fair amount of them, admittedly, but the guys I do know who who have been here for a long time. Really happy for them. Super well-deserved. And uh, can't wait for the parade tomorrow. Quick question. Is the guy that you're talking about, is he the one that wanted to play more playoff hockey? <laughs> no, it's actually not Matt Duchesne. If it was Matt Duchesne, uh, I, I would say, it. you know what? I'll just say it because I don't really care. He was such a jerk to me multiple times when I was just trying to interview him, just get a quick sound bite. His name was Carl Soderberg. I did not like him at all. So I don't know why Carl, Carl had beef. But anytime I tried to ask that guy a question, he was so short and uh, just just not not a friendly human being. So I don't even know if Carl Soderberg's still in the NHL, but he ain't on this team. He doesn't get his name <laughs> on the cup. So sure, I'll say the name. True. I like it. I like that you're being open and honest here with the crowd of coffee break. Well, sometimes it's hard to look at athletes like they're just normal people, but they truly are. And they were partying yesterday and Eric Johnson posted on his Instagram story, a video of the cup. And you have to see what fast food is sitting on the bar top. Take a watch. 10, 11, 12, 13, It cracks me up that they ordered McDonald's and not just like one bag, but multiple bags of McDonald's. But I guess you need to keep working out um, like you saw them doing right there, lifting the cup. I've heard it's it's pretty heavy, but you need to do that if you're going to be eating Mickey B's. Yeah, a lot of takeaways from that. So the, the cup is 35 pounds. Yep. Uh, we saw Miko Rantanen getting in his, you know, his his upper body workout. Um, yep. I think Miko may have had a few drinks before doing that, but all good. He's earned that right. And then the McDonald's, Rachel, we've heard the stories about Nathan McKinnon being the, the nutrition um, yep. you know, watcher of that team and, and monitoring what guys put in their bodies. And uh, obviously – <laughs> We're going to let loose. We won the cup. Uh, a Big Mac, a quarter pounder, a large fries, uh, a McChicken, none of that is going to kill you when you go through the workout regimes that those guys go through. In fact, they were probably, honestly, they're probably a little skinny right now because they've played so much hockey, done so much cardio. Yep. Put a little meat back on those bones. Uh, nothing like some, you know, probably 100 bucks worth of Uber Eats McDonald's to do that. So good for them. And uh Looks like a heck of a party last night, wherever they were. And uh, they'll be at Coors Field tonight. They'll be at the parade tomorrow. Like, Rachel, in the day and age of social media, what Eric Johnson did last night is just going to be the first of about 50 to 100 videos we're going to get of quirky stuff going on with the cup. It's going to be the whole summer when each guy gets it for his day. So I'm really excited to uh, monitor that trophy as it really makes its way around the world 
um, in the coming months. I know. I'm so excited. And there's going to be so much social media stuff going on. Like you said, they're at the Rockies game tonight. We have the parade tomorrow. It's going to be an absolute blast. But, Will, we eventually have to talk about it. And I know we're not going to go too in-depth on this today, but you actually tweeted out something about what Joe Sackick needs to get done. And if there's anybody that can do it, it's the unrestricted free agents for this upcoming season. And there's a lengthy list of them. And it's it's a little scary because there are some big names who were very helpful in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I wrote about it at DenverFan.com this morning, too, for my column. And, um, you know, you look at the core and you're you're going to have McCarr. You're going to have Landeskog. You're going to have McKinnon. You're going to have Ranton and Gerard, Taze, et cetera. But then you look at what we're looking at now with these these unrestricted guys and the, and the bottom guy being a restricted one. Mm-hmm. Rachel, Burakovsky, Kadri, Kemper, Manson, Nachushkin, and Lekanen would make up a great team on their own. In fact, three of those guys played on lines together at different points during the season with Kadri at center and in some combination of Nachushkin and Lekanen and, and Burakovsky on the wing. So you you legitimately have a top-tier second or a second NHL line, uh, if you count Manson, uh, worth of free agents. And, oh, by the way, your starting goalie is also an unrestricted free agent. So – you go through that list, and I encourage people to read about it at denverfan.com because I wrote about 900 words on this, but um, you're not going to keep all five, right? And that's not even counting Lekkanen, who's restricted, which is a little bit of a different category, but the unrestricted, uh, you're not going to keep the five. I really doubt you can even afford four. And let's be honest, Rachel, Nathan McKinnon is a free agent next summer. Does Joe Sackick want to let him hit the open market next summer? Absolutely not. Priority number one is going to be to get a new deal done with McKinnon this summer, rip up the old one, make sure he's playing the rest of his career here. Well, that's going to take up a lot of money. So who's left that you can afford after that? Between Nachushkin, Kadri, Burkowski, Manson, and Kemper, I would really only expect two of the five back. And that's going to be tough for Az fans because, you know, even if you've joined in the last month or two, welcome to the bandwagon. That's great. I'm not – I don't care at all. I, I think there's weird hockey guy out there who gets sensitive. Great. Come on the bandwagon whenever you want. But if you've only been watching the Astros the last month or two, you remember key moments that all of those guys had in the playoffs. Kadri's hat trick in St. Louis. Burkowski OT winner game one. Nachushkin four goals in the Stanley Cup final. Manson an OT game winner and the save he made in game six when Darcy Kemper got out of the net in St. Louis. And then Kemper, you know, the shutout in game two and then stealing game four in Tampa. And then Lekin in the restricted scored the game-winning goal to win the Stanley Cup. So it, it's, a, it's a long, long list. Uh, well, to win the, it was the game-winning goal to win the Stanley Cup and the goal to send them to the Stanley Cup final against Edmonton. So sorry, I said that a little backwards, but he scored two massive goals. So long story short, Rachel, Joe Sackett can do it if anyone can do it, but if priority number one is Payne McKinnon, then a lot of these guys are going to get money elsewhere, and it's going to be a bummer to see key contributors from this Stanley Cup team in different jerseys next season. I know, and we're going to be talking about it all this summer because, yeah, there's going to be so much to dive into for each player. So many of them contributed in major, major ways, like Will just said. So make sure you stay tuned to Coffee Break, DenverFan.com. Again, we'll keep you updated on everything that you need to know. Will, as always, it is a pleasure. And thank you so much to everybody else that tuned in. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to have parade coverage for everybody. So get ready, and we'll see you guys then. Bye, everyone.